You are listening to a podcast providing education on how you can spot, report, and prevent trafficking. Through survivor-informed content, our team of survivors, industry experts, and community leaders are committed to increase survivor identification beyond 1% as the first step to ending child sex trafficking in America by 2030. Join us for real facts, real stories, and real ways you can be on watch with us. Hello, my name is Brittany Dunn. I am the COO of Safe House Project, and I am joined by our uh, my co-host, co-founder, and CEO of Safe House Project, Christy Wells. When Brittany and I founded Safe House Project a few years ago, in 2018, it was because we wanted to make a difference in combating trafficking. We all have got to do our part to understand how trafficking is woven its way into the fabric of our country. And we have to be on watch to spot and report and to prevent trafficking. But of course, there's no better way to help us understand this issue than the survivors. They are the industry experts. Today, we are so excited to welcome Julie Whitehead, a dear friend and a survivor leader. And um, Julie, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. So as we get started today, Julie, we just always love to have you have a chance really to share a little bit about yourself, if you want to share a little bit about your trafficking situation, and where you're at today. Okay, I am a trafficking survivor. I've been out of my situation for about 10 years. It's gone by really fast. I've been in therapy for most of that 10 years, and I still am. That's something that will probably continue. I don't think there's any shame in that. That's just something that helps me cope and helps me recover. I'm a wife. I'm a mother to six kids. I didn't give birth to all of them. I have two stepkids, three from a previous marriage, and we adopted one. So we're a little bit like the Brady Bunch. (laughs) I'm finding a lot of opportunities to be an advocate, which has really helped my recovery a lot. It's given me an outlet to put kind of all my nerves and anxieties and everything and to use it for something positive. So I'm finding that that's really helpful in my recovery. That's amazing. And we so just appreciate you and appreciate just your authenticity and transparency. Going through what you've gone through is hard enough, but having the courage to use your story to educate others and to bring others into a place of, of hope and healing and restoration is, is really incredible. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what helped you make it through your trafficking situation? Sure. I was 30 years old when I was trafficked. And so I already had three children. I was going through a terrible divorce. And so initially when I started to be trafficked, it was my kids that I lived for. It was make sure I come back from wherever he takes me to see my kids again. And he was bringing me back and I was being mom during the week and acting like everything was normal. And then usually on the weekends is when the trafficking would occur. During the week, you know, I had my little ones and I lived for them. They were my world. And when I would go through the trafficking experiences, it was always get home to my kids. I have to make it for them. And then I hit this terrible roadblock where I realized that my kids were not safe with my trafficker in my life. He was paying a lot of attention to my youngest daughter, and that was terrifying to me. And I had this horrible dilemma. Do I keep my kids with me and expose them to this trafficker, or do I let them go with 
their father, my ex, who, you know, that used to be the worst case or the worst possible scenario, but I had to choose between the evils. And I decided that it was safer for my kids to go with their dad than to be with me and my traffickers. So I ended up losing custody of my kids for a time. And that was the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. So emotionally draining and just darkness and depression. And I was with my trafficker at that time. And then I kind of went into this place where I thought I'd lost everything. I'd lost my kids. I'd never be free from this trafficker again. And, you know, I don't, I always say, I don't really know how I made it through that, except that there was a will to survive, a deep down primal will to survive. And it wasn't fair what was happening. And I didn't want to go out like that. And it wasn't fair that my memory would be tarnished with my kids and they wouldn't know that I lived for them and loved them. And so it became really just this, I have to make it through. I have to make it through to see my kids on Wednesday. I have to make it through because. I'm out of the state and I have to get back into my home state. And it's just these small goals that kept me going. Wow. Now I know that those kids are your life and you are an incredible mother and you did everything that you could to protect them during your trafficking situation. And you, I mean, we've been privileged to hear so much of your story, but I think that what I want people to hear is that so often survivors end up in that situation because they are protecting somebody else, whether that's their kids or somebody that they love. And that's a really painful road to walk when, you know, your kid's life is on the line as well. So Mm. what did escape look like for you? Well, I tried, I, I tried many times, probably like most survivors to find a break, to find a way to get out to get away I begged him specifically to let me go and of course he wasn't willing to do that what it really took for me is somebody on the outside because I was not able to I mean the threats the manipulation the coercion the blackmail I wasn't able to break free of all of that it was holding me in place it was stronger than if I had been chained up and so it really took somebody on the outside that came to me and said something doesn't look right. I'm here for you. I'll help you. And they gave me the courage to, well, and to know that I wasn't alone. And that was huge. And with his help, I was able to get free. That's incredible. And I I appreciate that there, sometimes it's the power of one person that can really Mm -hmm. change somebody's life. That's, you know, we have a quote from you in, um, some of the unwatched materials that says I was seen by many, ignored by most and saved by one. And mm-hmm. I think it, it empowers other people who might be nervous to step into a situation and, and offer a helping hand or offer a listening ear, empowers them to be able to do so just by hearing your story and realizing the, the influence that one person can have. So what is one myth that you want people to know about trafficking in America? I think certainly you defy what most people think of when they think of trafficking. And so what, what's that one myth that you want to bust or multiple? <laughs> yeah, there are multiple, but I think that is the biggest one for me personally is that it can happen to anyone. I mean, I think a lot of people have this picture in their mind of who a trafficking victim is. And it's not true. A trafficking victim can be anyone from any walk of life at any point in their life. 
I might have seemed an unlikely candidate being uh, 30 years old and a mother of three, but it happened and it can happen to anyone. So as communities become more aware about what trafficking is and who can really be affected, what opportunities do you see for individuals to support trafficking survivors? Well, I think a big one is, and it all boils down to awareness and sensitivity, and when they have the knowledge of what trafficking is, how it works, what it looks like. I think a big part of that is welcoming survivors back as heroes. My husband always says, you know, you're, he tells me I'm a hero and I don't feel like it, but we've survived something terrible that is an atrocity that most people um, can't even imagine. And when we come back into the community, it's so nice to be seen as a survivor of something like that rather than rather than just a victim. I mean, we are victims, but rather than just being seen as a victim or labeled that, And definitely, I mean, I was an unwilling participant. And for people to understand that, for me, is huge. Absolutely. Well, you you have such a powerful voice in the space and, and such a powerful story. What is it that you want the world to hear about this issue? If there is um, one thing that you really want to communicate, what would that be? I think that would be just that it is happening all around us. And this seems like a really basic comment, but I think some people hear that and they think, yeah, but not in my neighborhood. And the fact is it is in your neighborhood and we don't like to look at it. We don't like to know that. I mean, I don't want to know that. I feel like I live in a place that's very, very safe and I can let my kids go out and play. But the truth is it's here. It's everywhere. And I think that the more people realize that, the more they can keep their eyes open and see it and prevent it. Yeah, and I love that. And you have spoken life into the OnWatch platform because you understand the importance of people being more aware and acknowledging it. And it's not that you have to live, they have to live hard every day, but just empowering themselves to spot, report, and prevent trafficking means that when they do see it, they can recognize it and know how to respond. And I think that mm-hmm. is just the first necessary step that we can all take. We learn 911 when we're young for the express purpose of knowing what to do in an emergency. And so this is just one more tool in our tool belt as community members to recognize, you know, when somebody is in that vulnerable position. So what is one message you want your fellow survivors to hear? Oh, there's so many. I mean, you hear it probably from a lot of people that you can make it, that you're not alone, but I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. You can survive this. It is survivable. And there is life on the other side of it. And it takes a lot of rebuilding and a lot of healing. But it's so worth it. And to not give up. We live in a time now, you know, 10 years ago, there weren't the resources that there are now for survivors. And that's just multiplying. It seems like daily we hear it more and more in the news, more in the media, and So there is this growing awareness and this growing concern for survivors and for victims. And I think just just hold on, just hold on. If it takes that primal will to live to get through it, then draw from that. Draw from whatever it takes to get you through it. And there will be light again in your life. I love that. And you are, you're such an encouragement. And like I said, you just, you speak life into the survivors. You empower those who 
might see something and be nervous about saying something. And so before we sign off, is there anything that else that you want to tell our listeners about this issue, about you and where you're at, of anything else? Well, I think one of the biggest things is I just, I believe so much in this on-watch training. I really had this kind of epiphany a while back that I used to think that it was, it was going to take one resource, one police division or one institution or something that would, would stop trafficking. And what I really decided is it's not going to be one thing, one movement that's going to stop it. It's going to be people, just regular people, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, people that we see at the school. These are the people that are going to be the heroes. They're going to save people. And through the on-watch training, they can do that. They'll have the tools necessary to do that. And I just think that's so amazing because if we can drive it out of our neighborhoods and out of our communities and out of our states and eventually eradicate it, I think that's where it's going to come from is just regular people watching out for each other. And I think that's so powerful. Yeah, I think that all of us have to understand that it really isn't going to be about one individual, one organization, or even one community by itself. But it's going to require a million eyes because law enforcement can't be everywhere. Teachers are having the added challenge right now of really educating kids in the virtual space if they aren't back in school. And some of these traditional reporting systems and structures aren't there. So how can we take back that idea of being each other's, our brother's keeper or the neighborhood watch and really feel equipped and empowered to even catch it before it starts? Notice that vulnerable youth in your neighborhood. Notice that mom who needs some extra help and just start standing in the gap for people. I think that there's a lot of vulnerabilities right now amidst COVID and we all just have to do our part to be compassionate and empathetic and breathe life into people and encouragement. And I think that will go a long way to restoring some of our belief in humanity when it comes to this issue. So definitely. thank you for being with us today, Julie. You are just the epitome of um, grace and grit and all the things that we love and adore. And we're just so honored to know you and get to have you in our life and speaking as an advocate on this issue. So on behalf of the Safe House Project team and all of our supporters, we just want to say thank you and that we look forward to having you on again. Let me leave you with a quote from William Wilberforce, who once said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. Each of us has had a defining moment in our life where we're faced with the choice to either engage or look away. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast for future content about how you can make a difference in ending trafficking. Thank you for listening.